And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 124, uh, coming at you this Saturday morning. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since this is your live call-in show, uh, if you happen to be able to, f- to find the number, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Um, probably the best way to do this now is to, if even if you're in the group on Facebook, uh, like the page because I know we post a little note on the page uh, when we're going live. So if you get that little notice and you know subscribe to the notifications on that, uh, you'll know when we're doing this and you know when it's appropriate to call in and then use those numbers. Uh, that being said, what's going on with you this week, MC? Um, first, I wanted to talk about Bitcoin again, just because it's always hot and it forked. And uh, so the question is, boom. The question is, uh, if well, if you had Bitcoin, now you have Bitcoin Cash. So the question is, do you sell or do you buy? Uh, which is your favorite blockchain? We would like to know. Um, so. Do you we would really like to know because I asked MC this question and he did not know either yet. Like we're we're still on this roller coaster. Know what the difference between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin is, um, and does it does it really matter? So um, to me, it's like Bitcoin Cash is is trying to keep the way it was before, but just with the bigger uh, uh, block size, um, so we can have more transactions. So. It seems pretty simple, and uh, the old, I guess, the the one that's currently called Bitcoin is going to be changing even more drastically. So, Bitcoin is going to be become more different than what it is now, and Bitcoin Cash is going to be kind of like the plain boring version. So, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of backwards to me. What do you think? Ah, uh, man, that's. That's tough because I always look to you for answers in these issues. Um, All right. So, so, so I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and say, like, the, I think the, what is the price? 220 something? I have, no, I have to look. For Bitcoin Cash? Yeah, two, 200, yeah, $223 at the moment. Um, it's down 18% today. Um, I'm going to say probably buy. And the, one of the reasons why I say buy is, because I didn't get to sell it at 700 so, <laughs> so the, 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 the network um, it wasn't very strong uh, at, at the time and so it, people were having a really hard time getting it, getting their Bitcoin cash to an exchange in order to sell it. Um, so if you had Bitcoin cash on those exchanges you could but uh, if, if you kept them in a wallet like I did, um, then you have to, you know, understand how to access them and transmit them. So that would be my question. Um, how do you, how did how easy was it for you to access it? Because I know uh, you've helped me out before, MC. Um, so I've just got I, a blockchain dot info wallet. Um, yeah, so did, it's pretty easy with that. All you have to do is get the right software, which I think um, I can't remember which one I got. Um, let me let me open it real quick. Okay, but I need software. Oh, I it's not like it's, it's not like my, my wallet. Computer. It's um, not like if I so, just access my blockchain.info wallet, just poof, you know, there's yeah, going to be a uh, separate wallet with uh, Bitcoin Cash. A lot in of it. services, a lot of services are going to create the access to to both versions of Bitcoin, um, but not all of them have, and not all of them will. 
But okay. as long as you have the private keys, and that's the, the keyword is the private keys or uh, the mnemonic uh, where you can regenerate your keys or... Okay. Um, but if you have the private keys, then you can regenerate your wallet. Okay. Um, and if you can regenerate your wallet, you can put it in the other software and and your Bitcoin Cash will just be there. And so okay. actually... You can you can still spend your Bitcoin right now, and you will always have your Bitcoin Cash on a, on a different blockchain as long as you have your old private keys. Interesting. Um, so I so I have two chains, and I have different balances on on my blockchain and my Bitcoin Cash. Um, so so yeah, that's that's it. You just get your private keys, load them into the the new uh, Bitcoin Cash wallet, and it's pretty simple. Just it just uh loads the, the the blockchain on the Bitcoin Cash fork and your your Bitcoin Cash will be waiting for you. Nice. Um so yeah, so that's that's the question. Should you buy or should you sell? I th- I think it's actually a buy right now. It's uh, down eighteen percent. Uh Bitcoin is up fourteen percent. Now Bitcoin I think is is gonna be doing really good this year and and I I've said it before that that uh, 3000 isn't the top uh it's got a long way to go if you look at its history you know it's in the previous spikes it's gone from a dollar to like $13 and then uh it went from like $30 to um what was it $1000 I can't remember but Oh, I'm sorry. No, it went thirty to three hundred, and then it went down. And then it went from a hundred to thirteen hundred. So, so it it has a history of spiking like ten times its value. And right. uh, so I, I'm saying it's gonna go from you know it's uh, the 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 bottom previous bottom was like uh, like a thousand. I'm just gonna say that that. Not okay. for any particular reason. I'm just going to say a thousand, and so it could go up to ten thousand or thirty thousand, whatever. That's just. Do you have any John McAfee level Bitcoin predictions? Um, I I try to stay away from those because it's like, you know, you, you could be right or could be wrong. Um, I don't want to lose any of my my body parts um, <laughs> in, a state, in a statement <laughs> like that, and. Uh, um, it's, I don't know. I think it's too far out because it's, it's super volatile. Um, something else could take its place or, um, uh, you know, it's just too, too many things could happen. All right. Um, and for those so that don't I, know, here, here's the basic, here's the gist of, of the McAfee quote. Uh, John McAfee believes that Bitcoin will hit, uh, one Bitcoin will be worth half a million dollars U.S. within three years. And then he backed it up by saying, if that doesn't come true, he, he will eat his dick on live television. So, so, so I losing body say, parts. I, I would rather say, instead of making that prediction, I would, I, I would like to say, how could that happen? And, and that's what's coming up um, this year, hopefully, is that, and, I, and I've talked about this before, too, is, is that Bitcoin getting on to major exchanges and so the Winklevoss twins are working on doing that and the the one that they might get access to is a is a Chicago exchange okay but uh anything that makes it easy for people that that have uh 401k's or you know other instruments where their where their value is just you know sitting in things that they don't really care about or know anything about um 
if it's easy to get into Bitcoin, a lot of people will just because, uh, well, it's the, the biggest, I, I don't want to say pyramid scheme. What's, uh, oh, yeah, the, the biggest tulip bubble since the tulip bubble. So. <laughs> and if, if you don't know about the tulip bubble, just read into it. And, and I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it's a good thing. Uh, the tulip bubble broke a lot of people. You know, everybody that got suckered into it and bought at the top uh, lost, you know, all, the, all their money, um, all the money that they gambled. But that's the thing about the tulip bubble is that uh, because prices were going up, people uh, saw it as a way to multiply their wealth. And uh, so a lot of people did put everything they could uh, into buying tulips, which is insanity. So, well, okay. So um, you say insanity, and then let me get this out real quick before we move on, because this is this has been my general fear about Bitcoin being a bubble throughout, right? Which is why you know, which is why you have plenty, and I have the one that you gifted me, uh, even though I, I you know offered to buy. Um, is every every peak to me feels like the top and seems insane right but but this is but okay so for me right with with my you know risk aversion and personality type right it's never been a good time to get in mm-hmm. because at a hundred dollars per bitcoin and when like well that's a lot like that's that's insane how is how is this nothing worth this much Right, and then it went to a thousand. I went, well, that's even more insane. How is, how is nothing, right? Because I, I, you know, there, there's nothing tangible about Bitcoin at all, right? Unless you have a cassatious coin somewhere. How is this, you know, digital nothing worth so much? This is insane. And then now we're at three thousand, right? And I'm still going. How is this nothing worth this much? And I, I've heard your explanation, MC, and I, re- I respect. Uh, your explanation on how it's it's just an investment tool and look no further than that. I go, okay, it kind of makes more sense from that perspective. Um, but then we get this split, right, with Bitcoin Cash. And I go, all of a sudden, right, people, you know, people who had, uh, who had Bitcoin now have free money just flowing in from Bitcoin Cash. Right. Like, you know, you, you, if you had one Bitcoin worth, you know, 3000, you know, I have one Bitcoin cash worth 700 or whatever. What did, what did you say it was? Did you say 700 MC? Yeah. yeah at, at one, one point. point. Okay. So all of a sudden he's like, poof, you just, you've been gifted like, you know, what the, the equivalent of $700 in cash for no apparent reason other than, you know, other, other than someone or a, a collective somewhere, the miners, right, decided to, to split it off and hand it to you, right? Like, here's a gift of 700 shekels, right, uh, you know, or whatever, or dollars, whatever. Um, just here, have this, take this, it's yours, you know? And I go, well, this is, this is, this is a terrible way to manage money. Uh, just, you know, fr- from a, from a, a general uh, conservative, traditional um economics based perspective right i go like this is truly insane on on how they get away with doing this and how many people mentally buy into it and go like oh yeah this is so great look at woo and you know 
and it, it, it always seems insane to me. And it, you know, bubbles are what bubbles do what bubbles do. Um, it, I just, I can't, I can't imagine how this has gone on for so long, um, with everything that's going on. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's basically all I wanted to say. And then you, you can continue, um, telling me how great it is. Uh, yeah. and so, <laughs> well, and, and some of the things, and, and, and like I said, I, I don't think bubbles are a good thing, but at the moment, Bitcoin is a bubble and it's a repeating bubble. Um, so the difference between a Bitcoin and a tulip um, are, well, totally different, right? So, <laughs> At least uh, a tulip, tulip is, you got something for your money. The tulip is, is perishable and a Bitcoin just kind of keeps on going on as long as there's the blockchain to record the transactions uh, and, and people willing to mine it um, to keep those transactions uh, verifiable and, and legit. So um, the thing about it splitting, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely really weird. It would be like if the U.S. government decided that everybody that has a dollar now has, uh, you know, U.S. dollar 2.0 also. And then what, what effects would that have? Well, Bitcoin is, is still And then sell your dollar 2.0 to get more dollars. Right, or the other, or sell, or sell the dollar to get the dollar two and so, so we don't know at this point whether Bitcoin Cash is better than than Bitcoin or or vice versa. Um, but they both now exist; they're both tradable. Um, and to to me, the question is is uh, is it is it better than the U.S. dollar? Um, and depending on what you're looking for. Um, you know, gives you different answers. Um, so, like I said, it's it's a bubble. It's on its way up. Um, you know, good it's luck. It's got an trading. unknown if peak. If if that's what you're if you're into doing is trading, um, we don't we don't really know when it's going to stop. I I I suggested earlier this year that it was going to hit like thirty or forty thousand dollars, and I'm still holding that view. Um, but you know, whatever. It it doesn't really matter to me as much because, um, especially if if you got in on it early, because uh, the people who got in early can just sell sell Bitcoin as as they need it, right? So they don't have to uh, worry about trading so much. Um, right. But for the for the you know the the newcomers, the the people looking to get into it now, um, like I. I think I, I shared something that you posted or I posted something Bitcoin related, um, on Facebook. And then my stepdad came down to me and and was like, what is this Bitcoin thing that you were talking about on Facebook? And, you know, I did my best to give him my understanding of the way it's been explained to me, mostly from UMC. Um, as far as, you know, like, you know, right now it's an investment tool, right? Basically, you know, if, if you've got cash, you know, and you want to convert your cash to something that's going to be worth more later, um, presently Bitcoin is the thing that's probably going to be worth the most later, um, until that bubble pops, right? Like, you know, get in now while it's relatively early and then get out before it busts, um, and then get in and then use whatever gains you've got to get into something more stable, right? Or, or, you know, get some of that now. Um, but you know, like the, the, the pending doom 
right, of, of the collapse of Bitcoin, if and when it does happen, is is hard to fathom at this point, right? Like, what what is it going to take to pop the bubble? Is it going to be mass panic of people going, holy shit, we've, we've been hodling long enough, you know, well, and then and everyone has this realization at the same point? Mm, well, like I said, it's this is this is a repeating bubble. So uh, a lot of people who have been holding for a long time know that even even when this next bubble pops, it'll you know it'll pump up again. Um, so maybe sometime in the future, maybe twenty years from from now or whatever, the the time periods between the bubbles will be so long that that nobody will be thinking about the bubble anymore, and people will just agree on the value of a Bitcoin for a long periods of time. Um, then it will truly find its niche as money, where you can price things yeah. in the store. But then it won't become as interesting anymore to as a as a investment uh, tool, as as a speculation tool, and so something else will become the new the new bubble, right? And so that and that's kind of what happens with with uh, the Bitcoin market. Every time Bitcoin is stable for a really long time, well, then people start getting into the altcoins, and so things like Monero and uh, Ripple and Ethereum and Dashcoin and all those things, those things start to spike because because Bitcoin isn't moving enough. Um, so I, I prefer to look at it at the whole thing as an ecosystem um, of of uh, tra- tradable ob- uh, objects, I guess. Um, so there so there really is no en- end end game. It just kind of keeps chugging along and and sucking more people into it and and changing and and offering <laughs> new changing and offering new services too so it's not uh i don't know i just have so many things to say about it like like i don't like necessarily that, that bitcoin is is a bubble but i'm i'm not going to deny it you know like it just it does what it does and it repeats and uh, it's kind of obvious well is a repeating bubble actually a bubble then like what that that's a good question I, and I, because I don't have a better way of explaining to it, I'm I'm just going to say yes. Be- okay. And 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 the reason I say bubble is because it does have some negative connotation to it. So um, I don't want people to invest at the top of the bubble. Um, but in my opinion, is not the top yet. So we'll just wait and see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's going to go back down to a thousand. I just can't imagine it right now. <laughs> like it to me is like. Uh, I've I've been in Bitcoin for long enough that I I know, uh, I mean I don't know, but uh, you know based on my experience that this isn't it yet. All right. I don't know what else to say to that then, other than you know ride the wave and and you know hopefully don't get swept under like all the other bubbles. Right. 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 Learn your learn your lesson and get out when you can. And so the. I guess just like investing in the stock market, um, people say don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, don't don't invest a hundred percent at any given time. You know, you could you can invest every month or you know once a year, whatever you want to do, or you could you know try to try to pick the dip for when to buy. Um, there's w- there's all sorts of ways to lose money. <laughs> I wanted to do that with a buddy of mine when we were like bigger on metals, right? Like, you know, a, a, right. a silver 
Silver Buyers Club, where, you know, every month, whatever the price, we just buy whatever we can, like, you know, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks a month. Just, you know, some of that goes into silver or gold or whatever as an investment. And then it would, it would be so much easier if I didn't live in Hawaii to do something, to set up something similar uh, with Bitcoin, right? Just from one of the exchanges, just get in and then, you know, just set it up every month. Whatever the price, just buy a hundred dollars worth or a couple hundred dollars worth or whatever, whatever you can afford um, to do that. And then, you know, also put some money towards other things. Right. But but get it out of dollars has always been has always been my thing. Right. And anything is better than that. And I, I remember having a conversation with a coworker, and she goes, oh, but I got to like I got food to buy and I got gas to buy and I got, you know, bills back. Oh, good. That's getting it out of dollars. Right. Those. Those things are of higher value than just keeping the dollar bills, you know, in a bank account somewhere. Um, so yeah, always, always looking for, you know, something, something to spend it on. Uh, so it's not just sitting there doing nothing, especially something like that, where, you know, it can be seized, um, by the state, you know, whenever, whenever they decide to come through and, and harness your bank account. And right now, Bitcoin seems to be the one, you know, the gold and silver, uh, I don't want to use the word stable, but they're, they're not, they're not as volatile as Bitcoin is right now. So you're not going to see the gains that you may see, uh, as the, the bubble continues to expand in the crypto space. Right. All right. And, and, and hopefully, like I said, someday Bitcoin will become boring like gold and silver. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing, um, but well, then we got to find something else. By by that time, may, maybe the U.S. dollar will will collapse, and uh, it'll be like Venezuela with the uh, the amount of inflation. And some and some people have predicted that too that that the people in the government they're going to want some of these cryptocurrencies so bad that there's going to be no limit to how much they print uh, to acquire them. Yeah, and I always figured with when the dollar collapses, I wanted to have metals, right? Because you know. The, the thing about metals is when you have them in your possession, uh, even if the dollar collapses and even if the Internet goes down and even if, you know, the, the they take down, you know, the, the electric grid, right, you can still walk up to a farmer and place a coin in his hand and walk away with some food to eat. And, you know, de- depending on how big the collapse is, right, or, or how bad things get internationally with who is it now, Russia, Yemen, Syria, China. Romania, who cares? Uh, last one might be a joke. I don't know. Um, no matter how bad it gets internationally, right? If 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 war breaks out to the point where, um, you know, your your geographic region gets bombed the way that we're bombing the Middle East, um, you might want something, you know, cold hard cash uh, to to trade with, as opposed to, you know, trying to link up apps on a phone on a network that no longer exists. But you can still have it when you do find a Wi-Fi hotspot. MC? Right on. I think we should probably switch subjects. All right. So I don't know. I don't think I need to go on too long about this. But I love conversations with coworkers. I'm sure you miss that just a little bit in your your old age retirement, MC. Um, Kind of. I don't know. I, I really, honestly, I really don't. I don't because... What it usually was was me ranting, and then 
other people going, "Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way." And then it just and then then it just somehow it just leaks out of their head and just all over the floor and this just this <laughs> mess. It's like, you know, why can't they just hold on to it and and uh, you know appreciate it and absorb it instead of instead of just it being just oh okay and you know <laughs> yes so i have a a, a a liberal coworker, like hardcore uh you know loved obama hates trump type person um and i was so i i, I i've had conversations and i've shared in the past where it, it's sometimes difficult for me to talk to her without defending Trump. Um, because she's like, she's so anti Trump and Trump policies Mm -hmm. that I go, well, some of the good stuff that he's done, right. Is actually, you know, pro freedom in certain ways. Right. And I go like, I don't, I don't really like saying that, but some of it happens to be true. And, you know, credit where credit is due, um, you know, for, for opening up some of those avenues. Um, but one of the avenues that we we were able to make a little bit of headway on uh, recently was that of like drugs, because um, you know, again she's a liberal and you know I'm I'm pro drugs uh, in, in all forms, and I forget how the conversation got started. Oh, it was like we were standing outside of work, like waiting waiting to leave for the day, and like uh, like a, a crackhead walked by, and she went, "Man, Hawaii really does have a drug problem." whatever you know not my business not my problem you know and and she got into like you know well what are we supposed to do about it and i go nothing (laughs) what do you want me to do about it you know um and it got to and you know it it, we, we talked for a little bit and it got to the point where she was trying to like wrap her head around um like how how the drug problem can be addressed and i remember she said something like this is the root of the problem and I, I said, uh, probably more like a branch, right? She goes, what do you mean? You know, i like, well, there's an old quote, you know, for the thousands of people, you know, hacking at the branches, there is but one striking at the root. And I think your issue surrounding the drug, you know, problem is hacking at the branches of what the problem really is, right? So, you know, she's like, well, what, what do you think it is? And I go, well, number one, none of my business what other people do, right? What other people put in their body. It's like, oh, so you just, you just, you just want a bunch of drug users wandering around the street? I go, don't care, right? They can wander wherever they want as long as they don't wander on my property or you know, try to take my stuff. Don't care. And then she's like, so what? Do we we got to pay for all their treatment? I went, nope. See, this is this is where you keep hacking at the branches, man. Like, I don't have to pay for anything about them, right? I natural selection take its course. Uh, you know, and she's like, well, what do, what do we do with them? Then I go, you don't have to do anything. And this is where she started to have that, that moment that you were describing him. See where it like, kind of like settles in and like oozes out of their head a little bit. Like she was, she was struggling to wrap her head around the fact that you can have, uh, all legal drugs and no social support for drug users and have that be a workable system. Um, and then we got busy and we didn't, we never really got to flesh out the rest of the conversation. Um, but I wanted to share that uh, and maybe get some insight from you if you have any, uh, again, on an issue that, you know, comes and goes. Um, you know, we haven't talked about it as much as we, we talk about Bitcoin and crypto, um, but it's still yeah. one of those things where, right. you know, in a lot of areas, drugs is an issue. I like, yeah, I like talking about drugs. Um, uh, 
but so many of the problems are created by the state. So if we were to completely legalize drugs, the quality of drugs would improve. Uh, they would improve um, to the point where uh, people would be a, a easier uh, able to take them uh, without hurting themselves. Um, so the dosages would be more clear and uh, side effects would be reduced as much as possible because, you know, who wants side effects? So better quality of drugs would exist. Um, and, of course, treat, treatment options would be uh, more plentiful because a lot of drug treatments um, are illegal uh, because they often involve other sorts of drugs. Um, yep. The, the, the drugs that are legalized are actually harmful um, and cause people to be addicted. So... Um, that's one of the things just, I told her too. Before it became keeps, illegal, you could go down to like the local pharmacy and, you know, pick up a tincture of heroin, you know, as a child for your parents, right? Like it, right. it was no big deal then. And somehow now it's a big deal. Um, and the reason it's become a big deal is because of the illegality and the war on drugs. Yeah. And it's, and it, it just, it keeps going way beyond, um, just, like the, the pe people's view of, of drugs because the, the biggest drug pushers in the U.S. are creating what they're, they're calling in D.C. The, the opioid epidemic. I mean, these are legal drugs being pushed on people from the establishment in the medical industry and people are getting addicted to them. Um, so, well, you know, why is this? It's because the government and the medical industry colluding together and uh you know people make profit on it so yes um a lot of our problems the the root of it is is uh well it's it's control government control or uh i don't know i guess you know if if, if a doctor tells you this is good for you and you don't look into it who, whose fault is that is that your own or is that the doctor's fault i don't know well, that gets a little bit into a different conversation, but uh, I guess what I was trying to get to was was uh, self responsibility in, in yes. all aspects, and that's that's what I do myself. I, I I try to avoid the doctor as much as possible nowadays, um, and you know do do everything that you can do yourself, and and make sure you you really know what you're putting in your own, in your own body. There's a there's a limit, man, though. I mean, there is. I'm I'm a big I've I've always been a big well maybe not always I've recently and for the most part been a big fan of you know personal responsibility self responsibility whatever you want to call it, um, but at the same time there's there's an economic limit on how much time and energy any one person can devote to all aspects of modern life. Right. So you avoid doctors and you take responsibility for your own uh, nutrition and food intake. And I'm sure a lot of people don't do that. Right. You know, you go to the doctor, they've got the degree, they've got the medicine science behind them. They've they've spent years studying these things. <laughs> right. And then and you're going to go like, no, I disagree. I think I'm going to do it this way. 
Yep. Right. And then you take your car to the mechanic and the guy's, you know, spent less than years uh, learning how to, you know, fix an automobile. And he goes, oh, I think this is what's wrong with your car. And you go, no, I disagree. I think I'm going to fix it this way. And then something breaks in your house and you, the, the pipes start leaking. You call the plumber and the guy spent years, you know, studying the intricacies of piping and how water flows and what's good. And what, and, and he goes, like, oh, I think you need to, like, replace this. You go, oh, no, I disagree. I think I'm going to do it this way. And, you know, you, you see where I'm going, MC. There's, there's, there's so many things that you would have to be an expert in uh, in order to, to not rely on, you know, the opinions of others that at some point it's not about self-responsibility. It's about, you know, overall responsibility, right? If, if the doctor gives you uh, bad medicinal advice and causes you harm, right, there should be recourse against the doctor, for for causing the harm right if there's if if the mechanic tells you something's wrong with your car and it's not or something else breaks uh because of the work that he's doing you know he should be responsible for for making you whole for the harm same with the plumber and so on and so forth um so it's just it's i get i get the idea man but it's it's so prohibitively difficult to be an expert in so many areas um that i know you know i uh, my son just went home uh, a few days ago. So I, I don't have to deal with his shit anymore. Um, but I remember like when he was, uh, um, a baby or n- like either a newborn or about to be born one of those stages, right. Me and, um, his mom had like discussions because she spent her time, you know, like listening to, uh, the wisdom of the, her elders, right. Like her mom and her grandparents and, you know, do, doing her research on the internet as limited as that kind of was at the time. Um, and then we'd go to the doctor and the doctor would say something like different. Right. And then, you know, I go, she goes, well, what do you think? I go, fuck man, just do what the doctor says. Cause they're the doctor, right? Like how many years of, how many years of medical school did you go to, to form your opinion? Right. <laughs> you know? And so I, I have, uh, I have a history of like, deferring to the experts because they're the experts, right? They're, they're the ones who've, who've, you know, put in the time. Um, and you know, much like you are now MC, like some of that, I go, you know, retrospectively, I go, yeah, she might've been right on in, in some areas, right. On, on how to deal with, you know, a baby or an illness or, you know, whatever. Um, and I was right in some areas and I, you know, we, I, 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 gave in because I, I I didn't, I didn't know as much. Um, and then, you know, come down the line and I go, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, for lots of, you know, for, for a few things. And it's just, like I said, it's just, it's difficult. It's difficult to know and it's difficult to know at the time. Um, so when it comes to, you know, like nutrition and drugs and, and, and what'll become of it, it's like, who can you trust, right? The, 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 you'll get better access to, to, to different drugs and, and yeah, some of the doctors, um, you know, overprescribe certain medicines, uh, because there's a financial incentive to do so. Um, but who do you trust? Right. I know, um, his, his mom, um, fell into that trap and, and is still suffering from it. Like, um, she became, uh, addicted to so many drugs. Like it's unbelievable. I don't remember. I don't even know what she was taking, but she's now uh, been legally declared permanently disabled by the state and has to go down to like, like literally the methadone clinic, like once a week for her, you know, to, to get methadone. 
And then I talked to um, her sister um, a few weeks ago when they're when you know they came down for vacation. She said, "Yeah," and she overdoes that too. Like she fucking, you know, she overtakes the methadone, you know, in a, to whatever. So she's, you know, she's permanently screwed up. And then I, and I, I go from, well, for me, right. I don't think I have that addictive personality. Um, and my leg hurts, right. I, everyone should be familiar by now with, uh, the accident that I suffered in 2016. And I, I still have pain from that. Um, and, and the doctor that I go to won't give me medicine for it. Right. Like, and I, I knew this up front and I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but I cannot get a prescription for painkillers, uh, to ease the pain that I'm already in for the fear that I might get addicted sometime down the line. And he doesn't want to, uh, and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want that on in his records. Right. Like they told me a friend, like he doesn't take, he doesn't prescribe narcotics to new patients. If you're a current patient and he's, you already got a script, um, so be it. Um, but if you're coming in new, you're not going to get anything from this guy. And he's even told me like, I need something for the pain dog. He's like, well, go see the surgeon. And then if nothing, uh, I will, you know, give you a referral to a pain specialist who can help you out there. Um, so you have, you know, you have two different types of doctors, right? The, the one that was treating, uh, my ex, uh, and the one that's currently treating me, um, both of them, you know, getting some sort of kickback, I guess, from some, you know, pharmaceutical rep somewhere. Cause that's how some of that business is run. And I guess my doctor has a more ethical stance, uh, when it comes to that type of drugs. And so who do you trust, right? Do you trust the guy that won't give you the medicine or do you trust the guy that will give you the medicine? Um, similar training, right? Similar experiences. And what, what can I do as the individual, uh, you know, aside from, again, taking vast amounts of time to look into the drugs uh, and, and to find out what might be right for me? Your thoughts? Uh, good question. But um keep looking i guess but well i did i i we, we have a drug addict friend uh who's like a functional addict and i asked her i'm like if i'm gonna get addicted to to painkiller what should it be mm-hmm. <laughs> and i took her advice why i you know i accepted her advice i didn't take the advice i'm not addicted to any painkillers yet um but i listened to you know like i listened to what she had to say because she she's got experience right so not only do i got the input from the doctors and what I know about myself, I've got like, you know, in, input and instructions from a functional addict uh, on the best way to, you know, to 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 make it with an opioid addiction. Good times. Um, there's a, a guy in my Facebook page. Um, he sells kratom, and it's it says legal and and booming. And uh, I have so a buddy like moment, that too. It's it's, it's legal. Um, very effective for chronic pain and uh not as bad as uh addict not as addictive as the uh, opioids apparently um so that's you know just one thing out there that it isn't being pushed by the medical establishment and uh could help you out i don't know i'll hook yeah. you up with him he he said he'll even send you an ounce for free okay how is it taken though cuz i'm not I'm not a smoker and I don't want to inhale anything, but if I, I can like, no idea. Okay. But if I can he pop said, a pill. No. Yeah. It says in the pills. So it okay. is a pill form. Okay. I've got a, I've got a buddy like, man, years ago, at, I want to say at least three or four years ago at this point, 
told me about Kratom and it was actually like asking my advice on how to like start a Kratom business in Hawaii because it's going to pick up and it's going to boom and he wanted to be like, you know, ground flourish. Um, and then I talked to him about it and he went nowhere with it. And, you know, he's like, oh, this is so big in like Asia right now, man. Like Southeast Asia, like they're just, they're making Kratom everything. Like smoke it, drink it, pop it, whatever. It's just so cool. And then, yeah, then he went nowhere with it. And now it's multi-level marketing somebody else's product. Hmm. But yeah, I'm interested. Like uh, right now the, the, the prognosis for me is more physical therapy. And again, of course, insurance, here's the, here's the shitty thing about insurance, right? Like I have, uh, a, attorneys fighting to get me money for a settlement, um, related to the accident. And one of the things that they said is, you know, if you go to physical therapy with under insurance, you got to pay all that back. You know that, right? And I was like, well, yeah, but I got, I need the physical therapy. Like I need my leg hurts all the time and I, I, something must be done. Right. And so they're like, well, you got to pay it all back. And I go, okay. Um, and, but the insurance company like keeps restricting and denying, uh, me treatment, right? Like I, you know, I, I go, I go down to the physical, I go to the doctor and they go like, okay, you need therapy. And I go to the physical therapy office and they go, yeah, you need therapy. And then they go like, oh yeah, insurance only approved you for five sessions. I go, motherfuckers, motherfuckers, five, really five. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get a steroid injection in my knee. Um, on the 18th and which will last like four months. And then I'm going to blow two weeks in physical therapy of that four months to try to, you know, intensive physical therapy, um, to, to try to make the pain go away. And then I'm going to have to like either hit the gym on my own and, you know, do my best or, or waste time while they're trying to get a, a, a re up on the physical therapy to continue the, to continue the treatment. And we'll, What's, what's the incentive for the insurance company to deny coverage knowing that they're going to get paid back by a settlement anyway? Like they just, they're, they're just prolonging this for me. And it's, it's been like the bane of existence so far. Like I've already canceled two therapy sessions because they didn't know whether or not insurance was going to cover it or not yet. And I go, well, if you don't know, I'm not paying. So, you know, Mm -hmm. find out, find out first. You know, and then let me know, and then I then you got to postpone it again because I got to go get this shot, and I'm not going to waste, you know, I'm not going to waste the money shot of the shot, you know, uh, not doing anything because insurance is is taking their sweet ass time. So yeah, what a what a nightmare that is. Oh yeah, I see the link, John. But why does that name sound familiar? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is he local? Not that I know of. Okay, is he from Texas? I have no idea. I just I just know him from Facebook. Okay, the name the, the name looks familiar. Like he might have, like he's a friend of like Ernest Hancock or something. Could be. Maybe. Could be. All right. I'll check it out uh, later. Um, but yeah, that's all I had on that. So you know, drugs, prescription or otherwise, like give me the choice, man. You know. So we like, originally got in, into this on the the branches that that people are trying to chop away at for the, for the drug problem. And really it's, it's, uh, it's a, well, cause she got, yeah, the government creates the problem out of it. Right. So if, if the government didn't exist, it would just be some people are addicted to drugs and, and need help with it. And other people just use them and it's no big deal. 
Um, right. And that's but my, the way it should my, be. And, and they would be really cheap. Just like, just like alcohol is really cheap, uh, drugs would be super cheap and super reliable and super safe. I mean, as safe as they could be. Obviously, you can abuse drugs. Uh, but the problem now we have is that, uh, just like during alcohol prohibition, is is now they're making stronger and stronger drugs because it's easier to smuggle a smaller amount and 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 sell a uh, a smaller, stronger amount uh, to to somebody. Uh, it's just it's just easier the more concentrated they are. So now their drugs yeah. are super dangerous and super unsafe and and it's and there's violence all around the drugs and and so now the government created another problem that before it was just drugs now there's violence and so now the government has to stop the violence too and so now we have to make guns illegal like seriously yeah. like if just just legalize just legalize drugs and then you won't have to worry about so many guns in the hands of of the drug cartels or drug dealers yeah. or you know whoever you just there will be a lot less guns in 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 uh, I don't know like criminals' hands because yeah I would, I would say a lot less no gun criminals. violence yeah I'd say a lot less gun violence not necessarily a lot less guns because there's some peaceful people that pack a lot well, of heat well okay that's that's fine but uh, those peaceful people that pack a lot of heat are are not criminals though are they yeah true know, might not it's, be yeah but. So there would be a lot less criminals, and because of that, just just by saying that, there'd be a lot less guns in criminals' hands, and a lot of the people that are involved with drugs wouldn't need to carry a gun. They just wouldn't because you could just go to the store, just like get alcohol, like like everybody else does. Um, yeah. So, one of my one so of my yeah, favorite I'll, I'll, shirts is uh, "Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Should Be uh, uh, a Convenience Store, Not a Government Agency." Yeah. But yeah, that was that that was the branch that the coworker got stuck on was well, how do we prevent them from using it, and then who's going to pay for treatment once they need it because we weren't able to prevent them from using it, and my only point was, not me, and only you if you want to, right? Like, you know, if you if you legalize it and then you know don't tax people for treatment, uh, you know the the problem sorts itself out somehow in the market. To me. If looking at it from other people's perspective, the government has made such a big mess out of it that people can't get their head wrapped around that the, that it's still the government that created the problem, right? They just, they can't see it. Like the problem is so big, like the forest is so big that they can't see it, <laughs> you know, like they're just, yes. they're just deep in it. And, uh, so that's why I always I always come up with you know, like 20, 30 arguments against the the government being involved in drugs at all because like it, the problem is so big and so messy and uh, it doesn't have to be that way. It could be just like alcohol, regulated the same way, you know, even though I don't like regulation or not. at all. Yeah. Uh but, you know, comparatively, is it better to be able to buy alcohol or or would it be better to have alcohol illegal, and then if you want it, you have to take your gun to a back alley and and uh, you know bring a bunch of cash and and get some you know I guess less quality piss water to drink. You know, <laughs> your beer tastes like piss because we piss yeah. in it. Yeah, super but. strong, ever clear. Cause I gotta get my fix. 
Make some uh, bathtub moonshine. Yep. Grow your own cannabis. Distill your own cocaine. See, who's got time for that? Who wants to be an expert in all of that when you can just find someone to sell it to you? Right. And and not only that, but we have examples like in uh, Portugal where they legalized everything and the country didn't fall apart. Yes. It's like there's there's a very good experiment. Um, it's much better than putting people in prison. I think that was one of our links. I couldn't find it again. Uh there was a, a post about a jail that needed more people. Oh, yeah. I posted that. That was uh, on my personal feed. I didn't post that at show prep. Um, oh, okay. I can read it, though, if you want to. I can find it real quick. Go for it. Okay. I just I posted that on my personal feed this morning, uh, mostly because we had enough show prep. Um, and it's kind of, it's one, it's one of those uh, crony capitalist issues that people will blame on privatization. And so I didn't want there to be... Um, some confusion. Uh, headline: Private prison demands New Mexico feds find 300 more prisoners in 60 days, or it will close. Uh, the nation's second-largest private prison corporation is holding New Mexico politicians hostage by threatening to close unless the state or federal authorities find 300 more prisoners to be warehoused there, according to local news reports. Uh, the company that has operated a private prison in Estancia for nearly three decades has announced it will close the Torrance County Detention Facility and lay off more than 200 employees unless it can find 300 state or federal inmates to fill empty beds within the next 60 days, the Santa Fe New Mexican newspaper reported last week. The paper said that county officials issued a statement citing the threatened closure and emphasized that every virtually every poli- that every virtually every politician in the region from county officials to state officials to congressmen were scurrying to save jobs as opposed to shutting a, uh, sh- shutting a privatized prison by an operator that has been sued many times for sexual harassment, sexual assault, deaths, use of force, physical assault, medical care, injuries, and civil rights violations. Uh, this is a big issue for us, Torrance County Manager Belinda Garland told the Santa Fe newspaper. It quoted Jonathan Burns, a spokesman for Core Civic, formerly known as the Corrections Corporation of America, as saying, Wow! The city of Estancia and the surrounding community have been a greater partner for Core Civic for the last 27 years. A declining detainee population in general has forced us to make difficult decisions in order to maximize utilization of our resources. That is a perfect snapshot for what's upside down uh, with privatization, the lack of economic opportunity, and politicians who genuflect at providing jobs regardless of the large social implications pushing law enforcement into a dirty business of ramping up arrests and convictions so private firms and shareholders can make more money. Uh, the statement by county officials said that most of the 700-bed facilities prisoners were uh, federal inmates. Company officials in local meetings said federal sentencing reforms has led to a shrinking prison prisoner population. Uh, the paper reported the company told the county it has been holding fewer federal detainees for immigration and customs enforcement, Garland said. We're reaching out to anybody that can help us. We hate to see this facility close. Uh, Core Civic's corporate, uh, 2016 corporate annual report said its revenue had fallen slightly in the final years of the Obama administration. Uh, state revenue from contracts and corrections, detention, and residential reentry facilities that were operated constitutes 38, 40, and 46% of our total revenue 
during 2016, 15, and 14, respectively, and it decreased 2% from 725.1 million during 2015 to 710 million during 2016, it reported. Uh, we own approximately 58% of all privately owned prison beds in the United States, manage nearly 41% of all privately managed prison beds in the United States, and are currently the second largest private owner and provider of community correction services in the nation. Uh, the elected officials who have been asked to find more prisoners include New Mexico Democrats, U.S. Senator Tom Updahl and Representative Michelle Luan Grisham. Uh, the county said the town of Estancia annually would lose $700,000 in commerce and the county would lose $300,000 in tax revenue if the prison closed in late September, uh, the New Mexican reported. Uh, there's the article, MC. Your thoughts? Um. Yeah, I think it would be a really good thing if if a whole lot more prisons were closed down. Um, yeah, I also think it's funny that they're they're getting less people uh, in prison because uh, I think it's a lot a lot of it because a lot of I guess Mexicans are are not coming over the border, um, and so they're they're arresting a lot less people. Um, Hopefully, they're just catching a lot less because there's been some other yeah. articles about illegals, you know. Danger, endangering themselves trying to make that crossing. Yeah, that, and that still happens. But overall, I think the the, the numbers have gone down, um, whether it's because of Trump or, or what else. Um, but uh, maybe there's not as much opportunity uh, anymore. And, and uh, yeah, but overall, I think that the numbers are down. Uh, and so... <laughs> So some people are always going to be hurt, and I, you know, the 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 prison industrial complex. Uh, I guess, yeah, I would like to see that that go. Yeah, I think the the difficulty, the the reason um, I didn't share this article as show prep, um, and only on my personal page, was mostly because of the source. So this comes from like Salon, um, and so and uh, Alternate. So I, you know, it it sounds. Uh, bad on paper right you know private prison demands new mexico and feds find 300 more prisoners and they go well that there's the people will exclaim that that's the problem with privatization of the prisons right but the they're they're just like the housing facility um and they wouldn't need to exist uh you know they're 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 semi-private insofar as there's not free market competition to house prisoners which right. is why you have issues like sexual assault, you know, sexual misconduct, uh, hurting them, what was it, death, use of force, physical assault, et cetera, um, because there's no, there's, there's no other place where prisoners could go or could choose to go uh, to rehabilitate themselves uh, more humanely, number one. Um, and, the, and, you know, so these are like one-off contracts, uh, you know, with, with certain prison companies, like only a few, you know, that run nationally. Um, so there's an issue right there. Uh, and then, you know, the, the fact that it'll close, they're like, Oh my God, you know, they, they, they need 300 more prisoners. So now, you know, the, the, the state is going to go look for 300 more prisoners, uh, to keep this prison open. Right. And it, it implies that the state, the, the state and the government would not ordinarily want to do that. But it's because of these nasty companies and these nasty corporations demanding uh, that they criminalize more people uh, in order to fill the prisons that that causes, you know, out of control um, arrests and whatnot. And, and we know from other examples that that's not the case either. 
right? The, the arrest may be down um, in certain areas and, and certain sectors, like you, like you said, immigration, uh, MC. But the the small, you know, the small things that they that they arrest people for and ticket people for, um, and and brutalize people for, uh, is up around the country. Um, shoot, I thought. Oh, here we go. I don't know. Man, do we want to get into it? I've got one related article, but it's kind of long. Ah, that's okay. Just read the article. I'm, I'll read the headline for you, and then you can read the article. It's posted at Show Prep. Uh, why police uh, Why police prefer drug raids over investigating violent crimes? Uh, we'll give you a quick breakdown again as as to why um, why it's easier for them to go after the small fish than the big fish, and, and you know the and the financial incentives for doing so. Um, just like in this case, right? You know the, the 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 private, the nasty, dirty private prisons have a financial incentive to get prisoners. Well, because that's what they run, you know, that and that's how they operate. Now, and I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that's probably not the most efficient way to run rehabilitation uh, or criminal rehabilitation. And there's probably other ways available if you eliminate the 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 standard way of housing prisoners to begin with. Um, and look at other ways to rehab people that are more humane, um, more just, and compensate the victims more wholly for the crimes. And then if you, you know, if you eliminate crimes, right, then you wouldn't have this issue to begin with. So again, you know, if you end the war on drugs and you just stop worrying about whether people are here legally or illegally, um, you, you wouldn't need as many prisons and one private prison going out of business, um, you know, is, is not a bad thing, right? It's not like a, it's not a market failure. Um, it, it's a, it's a market win, um, to, to see those things, to see certain types of businesses go under or have to uh, readjust to new trends. MC? Yeah, it's like if, if there was a private company uh, selling, uh, I don't know, dog food to humans and then and, and that company goes out of business, that would be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, cages, uh, cages are not for humans, at least uh, not for the things that, that are considered crimes yeah. in the U.S. at least. So, um, and my first thought was that they, if they, if they need to fill beds, you know, like turn it into a, a school dorm because, you know, basically <laughs> the same thing there too. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally against uh, forced schooling, um, mandatory schooling. But um, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, that's the... Lately, lately, the the cool thing to to put on the news has has been uh, cops that are planting drugs on people, and I just wanted to say it happens way more times than than the than is caught on video. Way and, more times uh, than the cop forgets to turn off his body camera first. Right, the body cameras are relatively new things, but it happens all the time, and cops don't arrest other cops that do it. Uh, so, um, there you go. It's like, how can you have a law against something that, that anybody can frame, you know, another person for so easily? It reminds me of that, <laughs> that movie, uh, Treading Places. Yes. <laughs> where they put, put the drugs on, on the guy and it changed him from a, you know, a rich millionaire guy to a, to a homeless guy in, in a matter of minutes. Um, it's it doesn't matter you know if the guy had a powder on him you know it doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter it's like 
It's a sugar no donut. To ruin, ruin, yeah, ruin somebody's life over it. Yeah, yeah. And not not only the planting of of, of things, but just if 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 a cop suspects it's a a drug and and it could be like powder white what was the one that the, the drywall powder on on the seat yeah. or sugar donut or you know whatever it is like oh it's powder it's, it must be a drug because that's what i do i get bad i get the bad guy so uh um it's it's a horrible way to uh i don't know what where do they think they're doing like providing justice it's just like uh, well i don't think man that's this is a whole nother issue. I don't think they're necessarily thinking they're providing justice. Um, what they're doing is using the tools. My personal belief is they're using the tools of the, of the state to create the environment they wish to live in. Right. Somewhere it, it's indoctrinated in their head that drug users are bad and people on, you know, using drugs on the street are bad. So whatever it is to get, you know, those types of people off the street you know, whether it's uh, race, religion, or or culture, whatever it happens to be, you use the tools available to you. So, you know, it, it, people always say it's like, you know, um, cop on black or cop on minority or white on black crimes, right? If, if you're a white cop and you don't like black people and you have the opportunity to get a black guy off the street, right, by planting some sort of drug on him, then you do it because... Who, you know, one of the another issue with the court system is the deference given to law enforcement officers that their testimony uh, carries more weight than yours or the defendants or the victims or whoever. Right. right. They say something and it is automatically believed. And if you say something contradictory to what they're saying, uh, it's automatically disbelieved whether or not they have evidence in their favor or not. Um and there's too many examples to go into, but I've, I've had uh, firsthand uh, experience with that when, number one, dealing with an officer on the street, um, which I shared a little bit last week, uh, and then, you know, having, you know, those, those officers testify um, in court. And you, what can you do, right? And you go, well, he's obviously lying, uh, and you, but, well, you know, you just throw up your hands and you go like, you know, I, you know. I've one thing that I've said before, you know, like when the officer's lying is, uh, you know, I've, I've told the judge, uh, I'm, I'm no longer going to participate in this kangaroo court proceedings, right? Like I, I, there's, there's no chance for me to, to get a fair trial here. Um, I'm just going to sit here and you guys do whatever you do because there's, you know, how, how can you disprove the officer's words when everyone believes what he's saying, even though he's wrong? MC? You can't. So get rid of those stupid laws, get, get, get rid of those stupid laws or continue to break those stupid laws and don't trust the cop with the body camera, carry your own, right? There's, there's dashboard cams and easy cams and whatever that's ubiquitous at this point. It came in my mind and and then that's that we need a, a a private service to come uh, protect you when the cops come and raid your home. Or your your car or whatever. So you get pulled over and you, or I'm going to call it 922. You call 922 and then uh, the private service comes and, and protects you from the police. I think well, that's a okay, I, I will do you one better. Uh, cell 411. Cell 411. Cell 4, uh, I think it's cell 411. Cell, cell? S-C-E-L-L. Oh, okay. Cell 411 was um, basically... I'm going to call it Libertarian 911, uh, but it's an app 
that basically rather than calling 911, you can you can put out a, a distress call to either a list of friends or other cell 411 users um, that you are in need of some sort of service, some sort of emergency service without having to call 911. Um, so something similar to that uh, could be used if, if you are being, you know, hounded by the police for whatever reason. Uh, you send out a distress call over cell 411 and your friends or relatives or whomever, you know, who, whoever can respond the quickest to your distress call can come monitor the situation um, for you or any other user. Yeah, I'm wondering if they have something more uh, capitalistic, you know, something you can purchase uh, in, in, in Detroit, you know, private, private security. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they do, but uh, that, that would be pretty cool to call your private security to uh, save you from the, from the police. Yeah. But they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to defend you against the police and get away with it. The, the best they could do is monitor the if, situation. If they came with overwhelming force, they could. That's true. But, uh, <laughs> and that's what you, I'm saying. If it's, if it's for money and, and every time they go out, they bring 30 people armed to the teeth. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They could get away with it. Right. They could get away with it once, right? Well, yeah, until, the, until the federal the, government comes with yeah. even more overwhelming support. Because the, the minute the cop goes back and says, holy shit, they just showed up with 30 armed guys and I couldn't make my arrest, right? And it's it's a well-known, capitalistic, you know, right. fun, well-funded company with a headquarters. Uh, you, ruining my movie. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh, I, I see your I, I like what you're saying because I've I've always thought you know a, a more altruistic version of that right would be uh, you know black humvees uh, with guys riding around with AK-47s and if you see someone getting pulled over uh, just kill the cop right kill the cop and drive on right like you know that guy's now free to go and you know if, if you know send me a donation if you like what I just did for you uh, by not having <laughs> you get harassed by a cop but you know. Same idea. If the cop is out there helping change a tire, well, maybe let him go or maybe, like, you know, send him on his way uh, and you and you do the tire change or whatever happens to be. But, yeah, just, you know, eliminate the threat uh, and then hopefully people will pay you for your service. If they pay you for your service up front, then, yeah, overwhelming force all the time. Um, but if you try to do it in the white market, uh, you're going to get shut down and raided right quick. So if you do it on the black market with, you know, apps, like current apps like cell 411, or the equivalent to that. And I'm not saying you can't take that concept and expand it. If you want to like monetize cell 411, uh, by all means, take the idea and just, you know, start a business and, you know, hire a bunch of big dudes with big guns to, to, you know, as far as the protection and sell that shit. Um, it's a, it's a phenomenal idea, uh, that would exist right in, in a free society absent the state's coercion. Because it would just be your protection agency that you would call when in distress. And right now, you're in distress because another gang uh, is attempting to extort money from you. Uh, and, if, and if you can get, you know, your paid protection agency to defend you against a, a, a gang intervention, uh, by all means, do it. All right. I think we're going long. All right. Let's wrap it then. Any final thoughts, MC? Nope. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com. Uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. 
Uh, if you want to join in the groups and the discussion and, you know, post some show prep or, or let us know what you're thinking, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchist experience. And if you want to contribute to the show financially so we can fund things like killing cops on the side of the road or other protection services uh, that MTC has great ideas for, we do that through Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.